Yes, I'm glad to be here. I was just thinking uh, while I was sitting in the chair there, when I was just a, a young person, I went to uh, Haiti as a missionary. I was sponsored by Lotkari Baptist Church. Pastor Brown was the uh, pastor that uh, I stayed with while I was in Haiti. One of the things he told me while I was there was that you never, ever say anything against the president of Haiti, ever. His name was Jean-Claude Devalier. And I noticed when I got this message from Pastor Brown first, I was looking at the mansion that Devalier lived in, and I said, isn't that something? Look at all these poor people out here. They're living in shacks, and that guy's living in a mansion over there. He said, don't you ever say that again out loud. He says, they'll send people to prison for that, and once they get there, we never hear from them again. Aren't you glad you live in America? I mean, I don't like everything that I hear that they say against our president, but we're not going to go to jail for that more than likely. And so we can be glad for that this morning. I know uh, last week, Pastor spoke about the First Amendment, which was about the freedom of religion, how important that is. And it's part of our Constitution. This morning, as different as this may sound to you, I'm going to speak about the Second Amendment and how important that is for us. And uh, show you some things this morning that you may have forgotten, but you it'll kind of refresh your mind a little bit. I remember listening to uh, the radio back home. Maybe it was on television. I'm not sure which, but there's some sheriff down here in Florida that says you all ought to have a gun permit. So we're going to talk about that this morning, too. I'll show you my gun permit. Um, I, I'm a gun person. I have um, assault weapons. I have shotguns, rifles. I have um, uh, did I say revolvers, but <laughs> I've got, I even enjoy those old flintlocks, you know, the ones that never go off when you want them to. You have special hunting season for those. Gives the game a chance. I've got reloading equipment. I can make bullets. I've got powder on stock. All kinds of stuff like that. You, I'm a deplorable. I want you to know that. <laughs> In fact, as we look this morning, we'll be able to see some more things. We have the right to defend life. That's a God-given right. And so we want to be careful to use that right in our lives. We're going to look at the message this morning, and Roger's going to keep me moving along. The Constitution of the United States defends the right to bear arms. That God-given right. We have it. We want to use it. It's in the Bill of Rights, Second Amendment. The right of the people to bear arms. It was probably that defense mechanism that enabled us to resist the tyranny of England. And so, this is our concealed weapons permit. There's mine right there. I got it with me, and I'm so glad when I travel south and I drive down here. That's almost good in every state. In the state where it isn't good, all you have to do is separate your uh, um, ammunition from your weapon to different places, and you can still have your 
weapon with you there. Now, don't try that at the airports. I had a knife with me when I went to the airport in Pittsburgh to fly down here. I just reached into my pocket. I'm standing in the security line. I said, look, honey, I got this knife. What do I do? It's a good knife. I didn't want to throw it away. So I stuck it in my baggage. You know, the baggage goes through this thing where they look at it. I thought, maybe it'll get through. Maybe it'll get through. But it didn't. They pulled me aside. They did one of these searches, you know, up and down and all over you. And the lady comes over to me and carries the bag with me. And she says, is there any weapons in here? Any sharp things that could cut you or hurt you? I said, yes. She said, well, where is it? And I said, well, it's in that pocket right there. And she says, most people don't admit when they have something like that, you know. And I said, what's there? It's there. I forgot. And she got it out and looked at it. And she said, I never saw one quite like this. Had a real sharp razor blade in it. And you had to flip it open. And she said, you are not allowed to take this on the plane. And I said, well, I really like this. What if, what if we took the blade out of it? And she said to me, uh, well, I'll have to check with my supervisor. So she took it over to her supervisor. The supervisor looked at it, and he's pulling around. With, I think he just about cut himself. Got the blade out of it and said, well, okay, we'll give you your knife back. We're going to put the blade in the garbage. So I don't have it here this morning, but I almost always have it with me. And I put a new blade in it as soon as I got down here. It's a right to bear arms. And we want to believe that. We want to be able to look into the Scripture and understand it. It's not something that just the framers believed. It's something the Bible teaches. We'll be able to see that this morning. This is our original homeland security. Whenever we call the police back home, they take 45 minutes to get to the house. Gilpin Township is a big area. The police are only on duty um, Monday through Friday. On Saturday and Sunday, when you need them the most, they take off. Then you have to call the state police. They're even further away. So on my house, I have one of these little stickers. It says, we don't call 911, and it's the picture of a 45 revolver. I'd still probably call 911. But at least they know there's protection there. The Bible says... If you don't provide for your own, you're worse than an infidel. Providing for your own also means protecting your family, protecting your own. And so um, we're going to look at some scriptures that will help us understand this. I already said I'm in the basket. How many of you are? You're in the basket this morning. There must have been a bunch of you in November, too. <laughs> in fact, if you're from Pennsylvania, there was a special message by the former president. He said, uh, those people up in Pennsylvania, they're bitter Americans. They're clinging to your, they cling to their guns and to their religion. I'm one of those. I cling to my gun, to my religion, and there must have been a lot of us, because Pennsylvania, for the first time is, that I can remember, voted, voted Republican. Praise the Lord for that. They did that in Florida, too, didn't they? And in a lot of other states, praise the Lord. Well, here's some scripture, not scripture, but things we want to look at that show that our statesmen really had an idea 
of how this should be and would be part of our Constitution. Thomas Jefferson, there's his picture up there. No free man shall ever be debarred from the use of arms. So we want to look and see. We know the constitutional people said this. The framers of the Constitution believe this. But does it have a foundation in the Bible? Here's some scripture. Exodus chapter 22, verse 2. If a thief be found breaking up and being... If a priest be found breaking up, if a thief be found breaking up and be smitten that he die, there shall be no blood shed for him. That's telling us that somebody breaks into your house and you defend yourself against that person. He's breaking into your house and you then, as a result, kill that person. You will not be guilty. They're trying to steal your property, trying to hurt you as um, a person, an owner of the house, then you are safe from prosecution. That was the scripture, and that's what we believe the Bible says. Notice also in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse, chapter 4, verse 18. Every man wore his sword as they were building the um, walls back up. In Nehemiah's day, the walls have been broken down. Israel had been carried off to Babylon Nehemiah came back, one of the first things that he wanted to do was rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, but the Samaritans and others didn't want that to happen, so they were, they were threatening attack. So the builders had the mortar in one hand, the bricks in one hand, and a sword on their side in the other. And that's how it was. For the builders, everyone had his sword, the Scripture says, girded by his side, and so building, that he sounded the trumpet, was by me. Notice also that Jesus affirms this in the Scripture. We have all these Old Testament passages. There are just dozens of them. When you look into the New Testament, the, most, the one that stands out the most for me is the one that Jesus actually comments about this. When a strong man, according to Luke 11:21, when a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. In other words, he's ready to defend and he's not going to have to worry because those who would like to come in and take what he has, he is able to resist that and so his possessions are secure. In Genesis chapter 4, you know the story, Cain became jealous of Abel. And so in the process of all this, who knows what entered his mind, but this jealousy turned into some sort of rage and you know that Cain killed Abel. Now, we're not exactly sure how this occurred, but it's likely. He could have used a knife. He could have used a stone, something like this. But notice that even though this happened, God does not put a ban on rocks and knives. Although our country would like to do that at times, and some of those in power would like to see that. It's certainly not something that the Lord had in mind. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel, thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And of course, he had killed his brother. And so that scripture kind of reinforces the whole thing. God says what's going to happen to him. Um, The ground's going to be cursed. 
uh, because of you, your, your brother's blood is crying out. When you till the ground, it's not going to yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond on earth thou shalt be. Later on, the institution of uh, uh, capital punishment occurred in the scripture for the taking of life. The framing fathers, the fathers of our Constitution, understood that self-defense is a God-given right. The very atmosphere of firearms anywhere and everywhere restrains evil interference, according to George Washington. An alienable right. This was defined by John Dickerson as a right which God gave to you and which no inferior power has the right to take away. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, Governments are instituted among men. Here's what several of the signers of the Constitution had to say. John Quincy Adams to his brother Thomas. Teach your children, boys George, nine years old, John, seven years old, and Charles, three years old, the management and the use of firearms. So you can see how early they wanted this taught to their children. Richard Henry Lee, to preserve liberty, it is necessary that the whole body of people always possess and be taught alike the use of guns. Richard Henry Lee. Homicide is required when necessary for the defense of family, person, and house. The right to defend life. We're going to look at that and understand it clearly, I hope. There are certain things in the Scripture that um, teach us that there's also another arsenal of weapons that we should have. And that arsenal of weapons has to do, according to Ephesians chapter 6, that we should have an arsenal against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, it talks about what that is. You see, um, in the Bible, our only, if, you're, if you're trying to shoot or defend yourself against a spirit, what good is that going to do you? You know, uh, if you shot at an angel, the bullet would go straight through. That's a spirit. God is a spirit. There's spiritual wickedness in high places. So the Bible gives us what I call total body armor. Things that we're to have in our lives spiritually that give us a defense against spiritual wickedness in high places. So we want to take a look at these. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. 
And for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Then it begins to define for us the whole total body armor. Loins girded about with truth. Here's where you establish a weapon tree, spiritually speaking, right around the waist area of your body. Spiritually speaking, you want to have the truth so much a part of your life that you understand its application and you can walk in it. You just don't know what it says, but you're able to live what it says in your life. Then we're to have a breastplate of righteousness. The righteous breastplate covers the heart area of the body, the chest area. And that righteousness is right living. Taking those principles of truths that you learn from God's Word and apply them to your life in such a way that you're living these things out on a daily basis. It builds righteousness in your life. And you're able to demonstrate that. The third thing that it talks about is feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. If somebody asks you a reason that you have hope in the future, a reason that you're not scared to die, a reason that you come to Fellowship Church, a reason for why you're a Christian, you should have an answer. You should be able to tell them what happened to you when you were saved, how you got saved, how you confessed your sins and believed in Christ. It's called personal testimony. You can share the scripture with them in such a way that they will see what you did in order to become a Christian. And maybe even perhaps because of your testimony, they'll want to become a Christian also. So wherever you go with your feet, Whoever you talk to, wherever you're going, in the back of your mind, you're thinking, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll have a chance to share the gospel with someone today. I'm going to look for that opportunity if I have the chance. I'm going to live that way so that they may question me about my faith. That's a good thing to do. That's preparation. Having your feet shod with the gospel. Then we've got the shield of faith. The Bible says it's to protect you from the fiery darts that Satan shoots at you. Fiery darts of not enough finances. Fiery darts of death in the family, perhaps unexpectedly. Fiery darts of inadequacy. inadequacy. You don't feel like you are good enough to do something God has called you to do. The fiery darts can cover a range of things like you wouldn't believe because Satan has an arsenal of these that he can shoot against you. But you put up this shield of faith and you realize God is with you. Who is your enemy if God is on your side? That shield of faith stands strong and you believe in God and you trust in Him and you know that everything that happens to you in life, God is going to use it for your good because you love Him and you've been called according to His purpose. Finally, take a look at this helmet of salvation. It's covering the head. Right on your head is the helmet that's protecting you. Because you understand this, 
that if you were to die today, as soon as you'd close your eyes on earth, you would open your eyes in heaven. That's how quick the transportation is. No jets, no rockets, no light traveling that fast, the speed of light, 186,000 miles per second. You don't need any of that. You travel through the solar systems in the blink of an eye. And you're in heaven the moment you die on earth. That's salvation in your mind, in your thinking, is your security against anything that could happen to you on earth. You know you're safe. You have that thought in your mind, I am going to be with the Lord. In fact, Paul said this, If it weren't for you people, I would desire right now to go to heaven with my, my heavenly Father. I want to be there with Jesus. But for your sake... I'm going to stay a little longer, he says. Until they beheaded him, that was, his, that was his philosophy. That's how he thought. And it needs to be our way, too. We know heaven is going to be much more delightful for you than earth. Put aside this body that aches. I got up this morning and I had this new pain. It was right here. What I did yesterday is I, for the first time in several months, I rode the bike out onto the trails down there at Placida someplace, across by the swimming pool, you know where I mean? Comes out at Lemon Bay High School. It's bumpy. And I'm going along there, and I think I'm doing really great, and I sent a message to my wife and said, boy, I, I must be in better shape than I thought I was <laughs> until morning. Boy, it's, it's hurting. These bodies are frail. They got disease, and I gotta wear glasses because I can't see right, and I gotta take all these medicines that I take to keep my blood pressure down, and I, and then I've got other things wrong with me. I've got a handful of pills I have to take every day just to keep alive. Well, you're not gonna need any of that in heaven. New body. A new person who's gonna live forever with God. The moment you close your eyes on earth. And open your eyes in heaven. God is going to bless you so good you will never look back. People, if somebody says, you're in heaven now and you're looking back and somebody says, you want to go back there? He says, no, 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 I don't want to go back there. I'm staying right here with Jesus. That's what you have to look forward to when you have the helmet of salvation. When you've got the Lord with you. And you know how good and how wonderful He is. And then there's the sword of the Spirit. Look at that sword shining. It's the sword of the Word of God. That double-edged sword that's able to pierce asunder to soul and spirit, divide bone and marrow. It's the sword that God probably used through His Spirit to touch your soul and make you realize how desperate your need was for the Lord. It's the sword that Jesus used when Satan tempted Him. Oh, go ahead. You know you're hungry. You've been fasting 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus turned these stones into bread. But Jesus pulls out the sword. Man shall not live by bread alone, Satan, but by every word that proceeds forth from the Father. Oh, Satan takes him up on a pinnacle and says, Leap off here. You know that the angels have charge. He's quoting Scripture to Jesus. 
The angels have charge over you. They won't even let you stub your toe. And Jesus says to him, the word right back with the sword drawn. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And then he takes them and shows them all the kingdoms that Satan has control of on the earth. He is the prince and power of the air. And he says, all these kingdoms can be yours, Jesus. Just bow down and worship me. And he says to Satan as he draws the sword, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God only, and Him alone thou shalt serve. You know what Satan does? He flees. <laughs> you know how powerful the Word of God is when you use it against your arch enemy, the person who would like to defeat you, the person who would like to ruin your salvation, the person who would like to upset you with your family, the person who gets in there and he just says, your finances are ruined. Everything about you is going downhill. You've lost your job. Everything's going wrong. And you pull out your sword and say, I'm going to trust in God. That's a powerful weapon that Satan can't touch. The last one, the seventh one, wouldn't you know there'd be seven? The perfect number. The one we must never forget is prayer and supplication. We're praying, asking God to help us so that we can help others. Supplication is when you're interceding for others. It's like Pastor Gary says, you love Jesus and you love others. You're wanting to serve others, help others. It's what this thing that Elise was talking about. My goodness, you learn how to sense when things are going wrong so that you can intercede, get in there and help people to uh, stop the tragedy that could occur. And you don't want to be an accessory to the fact when you knew something was going on that shouldn't be going on. You step in there and you do something. That's that intercession, supplication, prayer. Every part of this body of defense that God gives us is covered. Just think about this. Helmet, you've got the sword, you've got the breastplate of righteousness, loins girded about with truth, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. Just don't turn around. You start fleeing from the enemy, there's no protection from the back. That's when you get it. Don't flee. Stand your ground. I say it. Reload. Get more faith. Get more, get more assurance of your salvation. Get the shield up there. Get your sword ready even more. Be even more prepared to share the gospel. Be ready to go after the spirits of darkness. Now I'm here to tell you. You know how many weapons I have. I don't, I don't have near as many as Roger. <laughs> but I got some. But my faith is not in the flesh and blood weapons. My faith is in this total body armor. The spiritual army of the Lord. The spiritual armor. The total body armor is what we need more than anything else. Do you have it this morning? Are you certain of your salvation? Have you been living right righteousness? Have you got that shield ready? 
Do you know God's word well enough to quote it to Satan or any of his cronies? Are you ready to share the gospel? That means you've got full body armor, spiritually speaking. We need that every day of our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, give us that kind of assurance where we can know we're standing fast with the truth. We're fighting off the wiles of the devil. We're prepared to defend for our families when necessary. We believe in the rights that we have in our country. We thank you for America. We think the blessings that we have, Lord, are because of this Constitution and those founding fathers and those who have believed just like they have believed ever since, even to this day. We're so thankful for America. And so we are thankful for our Lord and Savior because He's going to guide us into eternal life and give us everything that we need for our future And so increase our desire, Lord, to serve you and love you, to put you first in our life, and to look around us and see who we can love into your family. For everyone we see is made in the image and likeness of God. How can we not love others? We praise you and give you all the glory today. And ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. We're going to stand and sing a song.